Hello and welcome to night number three of 31 Nights of Fright, year four, the Stephen King of horror. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. Night number three brings us to a much-loved Stephen King novel as well as a much-loved movie. All of the praise that this one has received over the years I think is very well deserved. So let's proceed with night number three. Starring Kathy Bates and James Caan, this is the 1990 Rob Reiner-directed Misery. Misery tells the story of famous author Paul Sheldon, played here by James Caan. He winds up getting in a car accident after completing his latest novel and is rescued by Annie Wilkes, played by Kathy Bates. Annie just so happens to be Paul Sheldon's biggest fan. She's a fan of his Misery novels. Misery is a character in his books that after a long run, he wanted to stop writing these Misery novels, so he's killing off the main character in his novel. Specifically so that he can go on and write other books. He's kind of burnt out on his book series. Since he was rescued by his biggest fan, Annie Wilkes, she's also obsessive and doesn't intend on letting Paul Sheldon go. She even goes so far to make him write a new misery novel that will better suit her expectations and her want for the series and character. Misery doesn't really take long to get into anything, and I think that's one of the things that works well in its favor. The movie is very, very well paced. We get those scenes of Paul more or less saying that he's burnt out on the Misery series, where his editor tells him, but it made you lots of money, so why would you want to do this? But she supports Paul's decision. Paul writes his new manuscript and is all ready to drive back and deliver it to his editor. From that moment on, things go really bad really quick. Misery has a very uncomfortable vibe early on when Annie is shaving Paul with a straight edge razor. The shot of it is zoomed in. In those early moments, we get the feeling that Annie Wilkes is extremely nice and hospitable but she doesn't really seem right. A few moments later, we see how she has her fits of rage all over the profanity in his new unreleased manuscript, the one that he was going to deliver to his editor. Of course, we don't really see the true dark side of Annie here. We just see a little shade of it. And that's where I said the pacing of the film is really well done. It doesn't really waste time at all, and I think that's one of the great things about this movie. Director Rob Reiner, who was notable for being an actor, and he has directed probably some of the most beloved films of all time. His career has included Stand By Me, which is a fantastic Stephen King film, not one I'm going to be handling here because it's not horror, but it is a really great film. He has also done The Princess Bride, as well as When Harry Met Sally, so his pedigree here doesn't really scream horror, but yet he crafted a very tense horror thriller. It's honestly a shame that a lot of his works are romantic comedies and such, and even the Elijah Wood bomb North. I really think that he had an eye for creating some tension, and it could have been interesting to see more films like this on his directorial credits. 
Having not viewed Misery for a long time, I forgot how funny some of the opening moments are. The scene with the sheriff and his wife in the truck, Annie with her pet pig, even Annie's expressions. I think it's all done intentionally to add a false sense of ease, which makes Annie's first outburst after reading the fate of Paul's best-selling character named Misery and effectively ending his book series, it's all the more shocking and effective to us, the viewer. As a matter of fact, in some of the jokey moments towards the beginning, you could even confuse Kathy Bates' acting for being bad, as it seems a little over the top. But no, she's definitely in full control of her portrayal of Annie. She, in all honesty, is great here. It's no wonder why she received a very well-deserved Best Actress Oscar for her performance. It really is a treat to watch her and the way that she goes from being kind and nice to all of a sudden psychotic, all at the drop of a hat. It's amazing. With as much praise that I'm giving Kathy Bates here, I do have to acknowledge that James Caan gave a great performance that is also Oscar-worthy. With us as the viewer to witness the torture that Annie puts him through, it's always intense, not just through his pain, but his trying to escape, or even the part where Annie forces him to destroy his unpublished manuscript that he appeared to be proud of because it was also a fresh start for him. We also get to see this scene play out a little bit more later in the film towards the end. I think it's a great payoff in reference to the earlier scene of Paul being forced to burn his manuscript. We also get a fun turn from actor Richard Farnsworth as the sheriff. I know Richard Farnsworth from the David Lynch directed The Straight Story, which is an excellent film if you've never seen it. He provides some good humor here as well as you get the feeling that he's always one step ahead even if he's behind. He does essentially crack the case wide open and figures out that Paul is still alive, but it also allows Rob Reiner to shock the audience for a second time. I think we all know where I'm going as far as the first major shock that we had. The movie is very notorious for a hard to watch ankle break, ankle smash I guess you could say scene. I like that the movie makes us think we may not get moments of true horror. And it's all the more unsettling that we see the scene in all of its horrific glory. It makes no effort to shy away from this at all, and I think it's all the more better for it. We need to see those moments of shock throughout this movie. It made it engaging. It made the movie notorious. This scene is made all the more unsettling in the fact that Annie seems to have a bit of near-orgasmic bliss in committing a terrible act that she feels was done out of love. I think it's interesting that this movie plays with the fans' expectations and maybe overreactions because we don't agree with what the creator did with their work. It's a story that Stephen King wrote in a almost retaliation for the negative fan reception of his book, The Eyes of the Dragon. People wanted more horror from Stephen King. Instead, he wrote an epic fantasy novel. It's not that he hasn't done anything like that before. He did it in the Gunslinger, the Dark Tower series, but yet everybody was just expecting horror. So he wrote Misery as almost a 
very meta retaliation against what people were expecting. It's kind of fun that he actually did have fun with the idea of it and people taking things way too far as far as the importance that we place in our own lives on our entertainment, be it a book, movie, TV show. Overall, it really did work to create not just a great novel, but it also turned out a great movie that comes with the highest of recommendations for me. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. I also have a website, so if you want to catch up on some past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. If you don't do the whole social media thing, you can contact me at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. 31 Nights of Fright is, of course, a part of the larger Adam Analyzes podcast. This is my seasonal podcast that I do every October. If you are enjoying this, why not tell a friend about it? Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to reach new listeners as well as create new content. Plus, I simply love those digital hugs. But with that being said, be kind and good night. I'll see you for night number four tomorrow.